OWC Radio number 27. everyone, Tim Robertson, host of OWC Radio, the official podcast for Otherworld Computing, found online at www.maxsales.com. If it's technology, we're talking about it, and uh, let me tell you how you can talk to us. We love feedback. You can send us email, podcast at maxsales.com. Now, you can send a regular email or voice. To do voice, just record it on your iPhone or your iPod Touch. And send it via email. Real simple to do. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash OWC radio. Or you can leave a message at our Skype in number. It's 1-801-938-5559. And I'll play any and all feedback I receive, minus, you know, the profanity-laced ones, right here on OWC radio. No guests this week, just little old me talking about technology. We've had a lot of interviewees lately, so I thought we'd do at least one show this month without um, two or three people on. So here it is, just me. A lot of things going on in the Mac world. For me, a, a big news story this week was Steam. Now, Steam is by a company called Valve, and Steam is a distribution network for gaming. It's been really popular on the PC side for a number of years now. And I've been lusting after Steam coming to the Mac for a long time. I Honestly, I didn't think it was going to happen. And it's really one of the only reasons I got uh, Windows. Well, before I had Windows Vista, but now it's uh, Windows 7 partitioned on my MacBook Pro. And it's really the only reason that I have it on there is so I could play some Steam games. Problem is I never really got around to doing it because if I'm using my computer... It's running the Mac OS, and uh, just to play a game or something, I just never really got around to boot, rebooting into Windows and going through the hassle over there. It's just, eh, I just won't play a game right now. That's kind of what I was thinking. But with Steam coming to Mac OS X, I think that's pretty cool. Now, Steam itself doesn't cost you a dime. Anybody can sign up for Steam and uh, become a user and download any of the free stuff that they offer, including demos. Now, sometimes they also give you free games as well. Right now, Portal is free for like two weeks. So if you've got a Mac and um, you're even casually interested in games, at least go up, download the Steam client, set up a new user account, doesn't cost you anything, and download Portal because it's free and it's a really great game. It's kind of a mind-bending game. Um, you have to figure out how to, let's say you need to, to get to the top of, the, of of a room and there's no way you're, you can get up there, but you have this little gun called a portal gun. And with a portal gun, you shoot two things. The first thing you shoot is where you go in and the next thing you shoot is where you come out. Um, but it's really hard to describe. You know, you just have to download it and try it. I've been playing Steam, or I'm sorry, Portal for a couple of years on the Xbox 360 um, and I loved it. I can only imagine how much cooler it's going to be on my Mac being able to use my mouse. 
sounds like a lot of fun. And of course, I already downloaded. I haven't tried it yet. I have not played Steam yet. It came out yesterday. Uh, I set up my home computer, the iMac. I downloaded Steam. I bought a couple games, uh, City of Heroes, and I don't know something else. And I just haven't had the chance to play it yet. I want to, but you know, all good things to those who wait. Now, I, I got a couple uh, questions out there. I've heard from a couple because I posted on Twitter about Steam. And someone asked me, does this mean that any game that's on Steam, I can now play on my Mac? Well, that the quick answer is no. Because Steam is just a distribution center, it's up to the developers themselves who sell their games through Steam, such as Rockstar and EA and um, PopCap and, and those sort of companies. They have to actually convert their games to the Mac platform. So a couple questions come up. Why didn't they port their games already if they were interested in selling on the Mac platform? And why would they even consider doing it just for Steam? Well, I think the answer is pretty and fairly obvious. If you already have, you know, a couple million people downloading and playing Mac games via Steam, which early indications look like it's pretty popular on the Mac side right now. It's new, but still. Then you have a built-in customer base. So I fully expect to see games like Grand Theft Auto, Battlefield 2, Resident Evil. You're going to see those games coming to the Mac sooner now rather than later because with Steam, you take out the middleman, you take out the distribution channel as far as you order it online, a disc is sent to you, you have to go into the Apple Store. You have to order on an Amazon, what have you. You're sitting in front of your computer. You fire up Steam, and you see advertisements for all the games that's able to be played on your machine. If you like one, you click it, you buy it, boom, done. Kind of like the iPad in that regard. So Steam, definitely go check it out. It is free. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's going to be owcradio.com. Look for show number 27, and I have a link to Steam. Pretty much if you go to any Mac website right now, you're going to find links to Steam because everybody's talking about it. It's really cool. Next story I want to talk about a little bit. Apple is issuing invitations for MobileMe mail beta. I found this story up on the unofficial Apple weblog. Very interesting. Um, MobileMe mail beta or beta or beta. I always say beta. I've heard people pronounce it different ways. So Now, this is the online version of mail. This isn't the client. This is online. And it looks like, from all the different things that they're doing, um, it looks kind of like they're, they're duplicating the mail functionality and look and feel from the iPad over to the web-based mobile me. And I think that's very interesting because as an iPad user myself, I really like the mail client. Um, it's still not as good as the desktop client because I, you just can't do multiple things at once. You can't make multiple selections and drag stuff around. But it's still the best mobile mail platform that I've used, mail application, if you will. It's much better than the one on the iPhone by far. The one on the iPhone, at least with the current version of 
the iPhone OS is just terrible. I use it when I need to just to see if someone's emailed me something that I'm waiting for or what have you. But otherwise, I avoid it because it just doesn't work very well. Very cumbersome. Can't follow threads. Can't see a whole lot of messages at once. I can't move stuff all easily and all at once. It, I just don't like it. And plus, I have multiple accounts, so I have to look at one account and then back out of that one and go to another account and see what's in there. It's just a big pain. I don't like it. Um, and you still have to do that on the iPad as well. It's just a lot cleaner, a lot easier. So here's some of the features that are included with the Mobile Me Beta. The ability to have both widescreen and compact views, which to me means an iPhone-esque view and an iPad-esque view, if you will. Rules to help keep mail organized on any device you use Mobile Me. So that's kind of interesting. If I create some subfolders, say, in my inbox and I move, let's say, I'll give you a prime example. I want to keep all the feedback that I get on the podcast in one separate folder so it's easily found for me. Well, I can do that with Mobile Me on the website, with the beta anyways, and then that information is synced to all the different devices that I'm using Mobile Me on, such as my iPhone or my iPad. So I like that. That's pretty cool. Single-click archiving of email. Surprised it doesn't already have that. Formatting toolbar, including the ability to shorten URLs. I kind of like that. As long as the shortened URLs are there forever. It's not, oh, the shortened URL expires after six months. Improved performance for MobileMe through me.com. Thank goodness, because ugh, the performance on MobileMe is just terrible, I think. And SSL security, no matter where you access your mobile me mail from. Works best in Safari 4 or Firefox 3.6 or later. So something to keep in mind, I use uh, Apple's mail program myself on the Mac. I do have a mobile me account. I had let my, um, my mobile me account expire about a year and a half ago. And when I ordered my iPad, um, it was a special offer from Apple. I think it was like 39 bucks for MobileMe for a year. And I thought, oh, okay, why not? I'll give it a try again, see if it's worth it. So far, it's not. But I do have it. So maybe I'll get an invite. I have to check up on, on the uh, MobileMe's website and see if I have one up there. And if I do, I'll give it a try and let you know. Here's another cool story that I read. And this is something that I've been talking about for a couple years now. And the headline is, uh, Nintendo says, Apple is enemy of the future. Now, I've been saying this for a long time, and I'm surprised that it took Nintendo this long to figure it out. You know, gaming on the iPhone and on the iPad, and when I say iPhone, by the way, I also mean iPod Touch. Um, it's really, really good. And it's only getting better bigger and bigger and bigger. There's already more games that you can buy on your iPhone right now than Nintendo has for their for their DS. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. The biggest is when you sell a game for the DS, um, you literally have to sell a, a game at Target or 
GameStop or Walmart or wherever, Amazon, and it's, a, it's on a disc and you have to literally buy that disc. Of course, we know that that's not the case with the Apple iPads, I, which the, I, I guess I'll just say iDevices. It makes more sense to me for the iDevices. We don't need a physical copy anymore, do we? I mean, really, if, if I download a game from the App Store and I play it and I enjoy it and after a couple of weeks I'm kind of bored with it, so I delete it off my home screen. And a couple of days later I think, well, you know what, I really kind of want to play that game again now. Well, I can just download it again. It's not going to cost me anything extra. So I don't have to permanently store it on my iPad or my iPhone it's still on my iTunes. Unless you actually go into iTunes and delete it from there, you can always just resync it, no problem. And even if you do delete it from your iTunes library, you can download it again. That's not a problem. So I think that Nintendo finally coming to the conclusion that this is a big threat to them, I guess I'd have to say, duh. They've been a big threat for a while. You're only just now realizing that. Now, Nintendo's always been concentrating, at least for the last five or six years, on Microsoft and Sony. Well, both Sony and Microsoft are in, they all have gaming platforms. They all have home consoles that you plug into your TV. The Xbox 360 and the Sony PS3 are at least five to seven years ahead technology-wise than the Wii. The Wii really is basically a PS2, graphics and horsepower. It it really is 11-year-old technology married to the little wand thing. Uh, You know, here's another thing. I I read a report recently that said more people own a Wii. And of those people who own a Wii, most people don't play the Wii. (laughs) In other words, people bought it, think they were going to play it a lot, and it's just gathering dust. Whereas the Xbox 360... And the Sony PS3 get a lot more use in the households that have all the machines. So that tells me that if people buy a PS3 or a 360, they actually play games on it. If they buy a Wii, they don't. Interesting. Do you have a Wii? Do you play it a lot? It, if you have multiple consoles in your house, which ones do you play the most? Now, as an avid video game player myself, I could tell you that I play the Xbox 360 and the Sony PlayStation 3 much more often than the Wii. In fact, I can't tell you the last time I turned on my Wii. Um, it's just, it feels like antiquated. I don't want to sit there and waving my arms around like an idiot to play a video game half the time. Now, sometimes it's fun. I like the bowling. Um, and we've picked up all the big popular games for it, including the exercise board thing. And But nobody ever seems to play it. When it comes time to, hey, let's play a video game, it's the 360 or the PS3 that we're playing. However, we do have a DS, and my daughter's, my youngest daughter, I should say, the six-and-a-half-year-old, almost seven now, she is just completely hooked on Dogs on the Nintendo DS. But now this is a game that I bought for my older daughters probably six years ago, but she just recently discovered it and is really enjoying it. But other than that, nobody in my house plays the DS. If someone's going to play a handheld game, it's almost always going to be on one of the iPhones, either my wife's or mine, or on the iPad. It just makes more sense. If um, if there's a fun game that they want to buy, I, 
it's it's almost guaranteed that it's not going to cost no more than nine ninety nine on the iPad. And at nine ninety nine, I don't even really have to think about it much. Oh, you want that game? It's ten bucks. Oh, okay. As opposed to, oh, you want to play a game on the DS, and oh, we don't have it. We need to go buy it, and it's how much? It's twenty nine ninety nine, thirty nine ninety nine. I don't know. I don't know. Now that's not just because of the electronic distribution. That's kind of how the market's shaping out, but. It, it's a real thing. I, I've bought hundreds of games at this point. I want to say I've downloaded hundreds of games at this point uh, for my iPhone and my iPad because not all of them were paid for games. I get a lot of the light games to try out before I buy. Even if the regular price is two ninety nine and a free light version, I will still usually try the light version for free to see if I like it before I commit to spending, you know, three bucks for a game. So I'm a little frugal in that respect, and I suspect most of you are as well. If there's a free version of a game, you're going to try that one first, right? It makes sense. You don't, yeah, it's only three bucks or even ten bucks, but still, that's money, and you don't really want to waste a whole lot of money on something that you're only going to play once or twice. So I love light versions of a game that I can try and see if I'm going to like it before I actually plunk down my hard-earned cash. So if Nintendo is understanding the enemy of the future is Apple now, what are they going to do about it? Nintendo, if nothing else, are very good at innovating. And anybody who doubts that, just look what they've done over the years. They've got some of the most iconic video game characters in the world. I mean, who doesn't know who Mario is, you know? Prime example. Zelda is a huge selling game. But what are they going to do to combat Apple in the distribution channel that is iTunes? Because if Nintendo's really smart, they're going to realize that it's not necessarily the iPad or the iPhone or the iPod Touch that's the true problem for them. It's iTunes. It's that distribution channel. It's the way that those of us who have the iDevices find and buy our, our games that for instance, as I'm recording this show, if I decide I want to, you know what, I want to play some chess. How long do you think it would take me to pick up my iPhone, find a chess game, download it, and start playing? I bet it wouldn't take me any time at all. In fact, I can do it. Where's my, uh, all right, let's grab my, uh, my iPad. It's in my bag here. So, as you can hear it, I'm literally pulling the iPad out, open it up, turn it on. And what I'm going to do is uh, go into iTunes. Well, technically, I'm going to go into the App Store, but that is iTunes. And it's uh, loading. I'm going to go to my search screen here. Where is search? Uh, I'm in the wrong part here. I'm in updates, and I don't want to update anything. So I'm going to go into the search function. I'm going to type in chess, search. How long has it been so far? A minute? Now, already iPad apps. I see T Chess Lite for $0.99, cent, Shredder Chess for iPad $7.99, Chinese Chess Master HD for $3.99, T Chess Pro for $7.99, Chess for iPad $0.99, cent, and Game Table $0.99. Cent. 
Now there is a see all, so I'm going to click see all. I'm going to see if there's anything free. Hey, War Chess, free. So I'm going to click War Chess, install app, type in my password. Don't look. Did you see that? I think I did the wrong. I, yeah, I did. I typed in the wrong password. That's the problem. There we go. That's the problem when you have multiple passwords on different devices. You kind of forget. <clears throat> so now I've um, I found a game of chess. I am downloading it right now. And the little blue thing is crawling across on the uh, icon. And now here's the thing. I could continue to do other things on the iPad while I'm waiting for this to download. Now, I don't know how big this file is, but uh, it's almost halfway downloaded right now. And how long has it been? Two minutes? Are you paying attention, Nintendo? Now, yes, this is just a simple chess game. But as this device matures as a platform... How long is it going to be before we have a Grand Theft Auto type of game? By the way, the game's downloaded now, and I just clicked uh, the button to launch it. I don't know if there's going to be any sound or what. It's called War Chess. Is this actually chess, or is this some other kind of game? India Games. Oh, and they've got a, other games to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like there's a themes, so we're going to go with the War Chess ones. And I'm going to play against the computer. On difficulty one. And just like that, it's loading now. So how long is this taking? Four minutes. I'll just say, touch screen to start game. Uh, clock started. And I want him to go there. There. And, and I'm literally playing chess right now. Well, I'm going to stop because I'm trying to record a show. But he paid attention, Nintendo. How long did that take me? Less than five minutes, and I'm playing the video game. Now, when the big, big, big games come to this platform and somebody wants to play it, they see an advertiser, an advertisement on the television, or they hear it on the radio, or maybe even on a podcast. Let's say you're listening to this right now. You hear about this war chess game that I just downloaded for free. And you think, oh, I'd like to try that. Well, if we're talking about the Nintendo DS guess what? You can't try it right now. You're going to have to go somewhere and buy it and hope that the store you go to actually has it. But if you have an iPhone or an iPad and you have internet connectivity, let's, you know, you got to throw that in there. You can literally find it and download it and start playing within five minutes. That fast. That, Nintendo, is the real strength of this platform. From an end-user perspective. I mean, we could talk about developers and blah, 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 to a blue in the face. But really, as far as I'm concerned, and most people that are listening to this show, it's about the user, us, the gamers, at least as far as games are concerned. How we find our games, how we try them, how we buy them, how we, how fast we can get them, it's the future, and the future is right now. So if Nintendo is just now, three years after the iPhone launched, two years after the App Store launched, if they're just now figuring out that this is the competition for the future, their enemy of the future, I don't know, you might be in trouble, Nintendo. You might be coming into this game a little late. And I say that because 
you need to do a couple things before you can even start competing with Apple. Before you can even compete, you have to, A, come up with a new device that's centered around digital distribution. That's number one. Number two, you have to actually create the digital distribution channel, i.e. how the users are going to find and download the games. And number three, you have to find, and you kind of already have this, so you're a little ahead of the game here, but you have to find developers to develop the games for that platform. You're going to have to treat the developers a little bit different than you have in the past because I've kind of been following video games for a number of years, and I know how Nintendo historically have treated their third-party vendors. With Apple, the developer gets 70% on every sale. Can you match that off for Nintendo? And if not, what's going to keep those developers developing on your platform? Because guess what? The iPhone and the iPad's already there. iTunes is there. There's a lot of game developers already making millions of dollars. They already have the users there, the gamers, and it's a popular device. How do you compete with that? It's the same question goes for Sony, too, because Sony plays in this playground and Microsoft. So how do you compete with Apple? Well, if they're going to, they better get to it real quick because I want competition. I really do. I want more companies, not just games, but computer platforms, software. I, I love competition. I don't want to see one company, one platform succeeding way above everybody else. That's why I'm rooting for Android. I'm not in a rush to go out and buy an Android phone myself or an Android tablet if that comes out. But I want the competition. And I want it for a very selfish reason. I want it because the better the competition, the better Apple does. The better Apple does the better the competition. And as users, we're the ones that benefit from that. We get better devices, better software. Usually we'll get cheaper software as well. But the point is, in the end, it's about us, the user, and we get a lot of benefit for that. This is OWC Radio. This is episode number 27. Once again, let me tell you how to reach us. It's uh, podcast at maxsales.com. Or dial our phone number 1-801-938-5559. That's just for comments for this show. If you're trying to order something, that's not the number you call. Nintendo, the enemy of the future, is Apple. I like that. Another story that I ran across, Chris Breen over at Macworld wrote an article, Why I Left Facebook. Not me, I mean him. Why he left Facebook. And now I'm friends with Chris on Facebook, so I I was following his um, posts there, which are mostly just kicked over from his Twitter account. And uh, he was really not happy with the privacy issues that Facebook is employing, or lack thereof, and more so their cavalier attitude about critics of their privacy policy. And uh, I, I I clipped this out of his account or his account his um, his post and it says uh, my particular problem with Facebook and the reason I deactivated my account this isn't just posturing folks he he deactivated his Facebook account 
is that rather than responding to people's very real concerns on how the service shares its users' personal information, Facebook has determined to attack it as nothing more than a PR problem. Interesting. I completely sympathize with uh, Chris's point of view. I'm personally not that concerned, overly concerned with uh, online privacy because I, I'm kind of a sophisticated user myself. Not to pat myself on the back, but I've been doing this for a while. I don't share information that I don't want to get out there on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else. Because I've been in the public eye for 15 years online as uh, both a writer, a, a publisher, a podcaster for going on six years now. Um, I understand who's out there. I understand who's gathering my information. And it's not just about advertising. It could be um, job prospects. It could be uh, crazy ex-girlfriends or, you know, you never know. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people out there that we know that could find information out on us out there on the Internet that could be damaging. So I generally don't put anything out there that I don't want other people to know. I'm not going to put my social security number or my uh, credit card number or my credit report. and you know I'm not going to put that stuff online that anybody can get to. By the same token, I do understand that when I sign up for a place like Facebook, that it really is the onus is on me to make sure that if I have a problem with privacy, I really need to get in there and micromanage my account. Now, yes, Facebook should make it much easier to do that. And uh, I think they're asleep at the wheel there. And I think they are going to lose more than just Chris here when it comes to privacy concerns. Um, But I'm more of a sophisticated user, so I'm not really worried about it. But think about people in your family that's not as sophisticated as you are on the computer. That one aunt that you have who's on Facebook and likes to send stuff out there all the time. You're somebody else that you work with that they're really not all that computer or tech savvy and they're on Facebook posting stuff all the time. Um, it's a very real concern. And because of the popularity of Facebook, they're kind of under the microscope here. By the same token, you have to remember that everything on the Internet basically lives forever. Once it's out there, it's out there. You're not going to get it back. So be aware of the privacy concerns. Do a little bit of research before you start posting willy-nilly on any site, not just Facebook. Now, Facebook is popular right now, but I've got news for them. Well, actually, I've got two words for them. Well, two names. GeoCities and MySpace. So how popular are you right now, Facebook? Well, pretty popular. Ever hear of MySpace? Yeah, they used to be the kings on the block too. Ever hear of GeoCities? No? Yeah, you might want to do a little research on that, Facebook. Find out what happened to them. My point is everything that's popular now isn't going to be popular in the future. Now, I'm not saying that Facebook is going to go the way of GeoCities or AOL, or MySpace. Some people say that MySpace is still popular, but trust me, it's not. The point is, you got to listen to 
your harshest critics. You don't always have to follow their advice, but you at least have to listen. And you can't take such a cavalier attitude, especially when it comes to a real-world concern like privacy. And if you don't, you risk becoming the next MySpace or the next GeoCities or the next AOL or CompuServe or to keep it in uh, the Apple universe, eWorld. Just something to think about. Last thing before I wrap up the podcast this episode now, it's uh, 32 minutes or so, but I want to wrap it up here pretty quickly. I've got to pack a lot of stuff up. I'm going to the home office in Woodstock, Illinois tomorrow to do some video work. Uh, One of the things I'm going to do while I'm up there, I'm going to uh, do a video on a brand new product called the Stora Drive. This looks pretty cool. It's from Newer Tech. It's stackable, anti-static cases for all three and a half inch hard drives. Now, I've talked about in the past how I have the uh, Newer Tech Voyager. It allows me kind of think of your hard drive as a piece of toast and the Voyager itself as the toaster. You put your hard drive in there and push it down and it mounts on your desktop. When you're done, you eject it out of the Voyager just like a piece of toast popping up out of your toaster. Um, It's a lot more sophisticated than that. I love the Voyager. I, I think it's a fantastic device. That's what I'm using now to do all my backups. In fact, I just bought two one-terabyte drives, two brand-new ones, um, for backup purposes. And you know that you would think two one-terabyte drives would be expensive, but they're not. I mean, I spent less than 160 bucks for two of them. But what do I do with the hard drives after I've bought them and I've copied stuff to them? I've got them in rotation I know what I'm going to do. I haven't picked one up yet because this just came out, but I'm going to buy a couple of these. The newer tech Stora Drive. They're they're pretty small. They're slightly bigger than a hard drive, the three and a half inch hard drive. They have very smooth drawer action. So you you basically what you do is it's two drawers per unit. I'm sorry, it's one. Let me try that again. It's one drawer per unit, and you can stack them. So Let's say I've got two hard drives. I buy two of the store drives, and they stack on top of each other, so it looks great. The drawers pull out really good, and I put my bare hard drive in that. In other words, I have a couple at home, and I have a couple here. I don't want to leave just bare hard drives laying around. This really crazy thing called static electricity, yeah. It's not the best thing in the world for hard drives, especially bare hard drives just sitting there on your desk. So after I've copied my information to it, I don't want to just leave it sitting in the Voyager. I need to put it in something. Well, the newer tech store drive. Slide out the drawer, put my hard drive in it, close the drawer, good to go. It's even a little place in the front where you can, um, you know, write on it exactly what's in there. It's got non-skid rubber feet. Looks pretty cool. I think it's... uh, I think it's pretty I, – I want one of these for personal reasons because at this point I'm probably going to buy like four or five of the store drives because uh, i got a lot of bare hard drives. And I, yeah, I, I'll admit I've got a couple just sitting on a uh, shelf here at work. They're not in an anti-static bag. They're just sitting there, a bare hard drive. And I don't like that. I need to put them in something. $9.95 for the store drives. I'm going to buy a couple. I'll probably spend uh, – I'm going to say about 60 bucks. And uh, get three, three for the office, three for home. That ought to 
that ought to do me good for now. Uh, and I don't have to worry about stacking bare hard drives on top of each other. I think it's pretty cool. I can't wait to check it out. I'm going to do a video, an OWC TV episode of it tomorrow, which should be up sometime next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, checking it out. And make sure you watch the video. That's the first time I'm going to discover it as well. So watch the video. You get to see me discovering it for the first time. You decide if you want to buy one. If so, $9.95 at maxsales.com. Okay, like I was going to say, the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up the show. Now, I've seen this batted around a couple times on uh, various websites. I didn't really pay much attention to it until this happened to me just recently. My son, Cole, two and a half years old, wanted to play with my iPad. And I let him play with it. I don't let him run around the house with it. That's That would be craziness. But he sits there next to me, and I'll hold it, and he'll... He'll play it. In fact, he's been playing, um, what is it called? I'm going to uh, break out the iPad once again. Two programs called, one called Dog Piano and one called Cat Piano. Yep. And he loves these. He'll sit here and bang on the the keyboard. Yeah, that's all it does. And he likes this one the best, by the way. Ooh, sounds mean, doesn't it? He loves playing that game. But here's my problem. He wants to hold the iPad himself. And while I don't have a problem with that if he's sitting right next to me, he's got quick little hands. He'll click that home button and launch something else in a heartbeat. Might be something that I don't want him to launch. More importantly, on the iPhone, I don't want him to accidentally dial 911 or something. So what's a solution for that? And not just for him. You can you can put this in any scenario. You've got one iPad at home. You've got a lot of bookmarks, but you don't want your kids to have those bookmarks. You want them to have only access to age-appropriate stuff. Um, you don't want your, your wife getting into your email because it gets confusing, and you don't want to get into her email in case you accidentally send an email to a coworker from here, her email address. The solution is multiple user accounts. Set it up in iTunes for each device. You can set it up on the device too, but multiple user accounts. This is how I personally would use it. I would put it on my iPhone and the iPad. For the iPhone, I would set it up, um, and I would just call it Kids, this other user account. And from Kids, they can't turn off the phone. In other words, they can't turn off the iPad. Um. The only thing that they would have access to, they can't get into the phone app. They can't get into iTunes or, well, iPad. Uh, They can't get into the Internet. They can't get into anything except the apps that I put on their home screen. So for Cole, I would put, you know, the dog and the cat piano apps and um, that sort of thing. So he could play with it, and he could switch apps, click the home button. It brings up the home screen. He can launch another app. But it's only stuff that I know for a fact is not going to, mess up my phone. He's not going to, you know, call somebody on by mistake. He's not going to launch the web browser. He's not going to open up my me- email account, and start deleting stuff. He only have access. He only has access to those apps, which I put on his home screen. This has to happen. Don't you think? At the very least for the iPad. Um, I read a report that the iPad gets passed around people's houses much more often than 
Yep, a computer. Much more often. It is a computer, let's be honest, but you know what I mean. People are not passing laptops around their house. Hey, look at this video, look at that video, check this out. But they are with the iPad. The problem is, if you hand it to someone, they've got access to every single thing that's on that iPad. Your email accounts, your personal information, your browser, everything. Multiple user accounts on the iDevices. It's about time, and it's really, really needed. I think I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm not taking credit for the one coming up with the idea. I, I read the idea on some other websites, but I, it's, this has to happen. I'm in love with the idea. I want it right now. I'm hoping that this is going to make a surprise appearance in iPhone OS 4.0. I don't think it's going to. I don't think we're going to see anything like this until at least iPhone 5. Uh, when I say iPhone 5, I mean the software iPhone 5.0. But this is something that really, really needs to happen. What do you think? I'd love to hear back from you guys. Podcast at MacSales.com. Next time you're sitting in front of your computer and you're thinking about buying some RAM, some hard drives, what have you, go to www.MacSales.com. We've got some fantastic offers going on right now. Even better yet, make sure you pick up one of these store drives. You really need to put your hard drive, those bare hard drives, three and a half inch hard drives, in something secure, safe. You don't want to. You want to protect it from any anti-static, static clean. You know, walking across a bare carpet and then touching a hard drive, mm, probably not a good idea. So, check it out. Store drive nine ninety five. And we'll get you one out. Hey, you order it right now. We'll have it for you tomorrow. Unless you're listening to this at, you know, 11.59 p.m., then it won't be tomorrow. It'll be the day after that. My name is Tim Robertson. Hope to hear from you. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon.